0: Guys, would you turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10 and verse 13. If you are worshiping with us today for the first time, there's a card in the seat in front of you. If you would take just a moment to fill that out, that we could have a record of you being here. We'll send you a nice letter thanking you for coming. And give us your email address so we can keep you up on some neat things coming up in the days ahead. Uh, Pastor Kerry has just scheduled a, a wonderful concert that we've been trying to get for some time. And uh, I know that will be in the bulletin and the program in the next few days also. Uh, I can resist anything except temptation. You ever feel that way? Those are the famous words of Oscar Wilde, who would know better than anyone else in the world about that, I think, uh, in, including us. Today, we're continuing our series on standing on God's greatest promises. And if you were here a week ago, I shared with you how in the Bible search engines, you version, good news version, people looked up certain Bible verses and they counted at the end of each year, they give a total of the most topics and the most Bible verses that are researched and looked up. And last week, we dealt with guilt. That's the fourth um, thing that's looked up more than anything else on these Bible search engines. The third thing was temptation, and that's the topic that we're going with today. What does God's Word say to us about temptation? Well, C.S. Lewis, the scholar, said, no man knows how bad he is until he has tried to be good. Well, Oscar Wilde certainly wasn't wrong. We chuckle at what he said when he said, I can resist anything except temptation because we all feel the pull of temptation. I, I, the older I get, the more I understand that temptation is something that you will never outgrow. It may come in different forms and fashions. How you were tempted when you were a teenager or a middle-aged person or an older person it may be different from time to time, but it is relentless. It comes at us on a regular basis. And I believe that will happen the rest of our lives. One man went forward at a men's conference to deal with temptation in his life. It had been one of those great retreats where challenges were made. And he stood up to deal with the temptation he struggled with. And as he stood in front of the prayer counselor to really to pray about it, he said, this is the easy part, praying about it. The hard part is dealing with it. It's after we pray the prayer. It's after we leave the building where the songs are lifted to the heavens and we hear the word of God going forward. Well, in this series, Standing on the Promises, as we looked at God's promise of removing all the sin stain from us. And isn't that a wonderful promise that nothing can lay hold on us? Notice on the screen the verse Isaiah 118 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. That hope and that promise that the things that we've done in the past can be forgiven. We talked about that last Sunday. But today we come to the second promise, and that's God's answer to the problem of temptation. I've titled the message today one that I read somewhere that said, You can tempt me, but if you do, or don't tempt me, but if you do, I'm ready. And the only way that we're ready is to do what God's word says to do. We don't have to be afraid of temptation. We do not have to fear the attacks of Satan as children of God, but we must be aware of them, of what's coming. And so as we talk about God's answer to the problem of temptation, we have to understand that the reason we're all tempted is because we were all born with a sin nature. You'll enjoy this. Look at your neighbor and say, you were born with a sin nature. Would you do that? You were born with a sin nature. And that sin nature is one that rebels against God. Notice with me what the screen says in Ephesians chapter 2 as a reminder of that. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires." Carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under, the wrath, under wrath as the others were also. Well, that means that others before us also were under this wrath, under this fallen nature. Consider the heroes of the Bible. We talked about it in great length just a few weeks ago. We talked about Abraham lied about his wife, Sarah lied to God, Lot compromised in Sodom, Jacob cheated his brother. David committed adultery and then had a man put to death trying to cover that sin up. Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. And we can just continue with that list like we have in the past. But none of that should discourage us. But literally, it should cause us to consider our own spiritual condition. And just instead of thinking, wow, what, makes, what made them do that? The Bible compels us in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12, if you'll notice... Paul says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. That's a Bible verse we all should memorize. You know, sometimes we think we're strong in an area. Your strengths can be the things that can take you under. It can be like a riptide that will come up beneath you. And before you realize it, have you knocked down very, very rapidly. And so the Bible tells us that we we need to be... Always looking to the Lord. And we struggle because temptation tends to come when we least expect it. If we could, uh, you know, schedule our temptations, wouldn't it be a whole lot better? If Satan would come, send us an email and say, hey, tomorrow at four o'clock, I'm really going to be tempting you. Well, we could handle that. I had that a little bit yesterday, getting to live this message out. I had a wedding over in the great metropolis of Shenston, West Virginia. It's the end of the world, turn right and four more miles. And I I knew that if I left early enough, I could do something I haven't been able to do yet, and that is take my granddaughter and do a two- or three-hour adventure, something that I thought she would enjoy. So we left early enough to go to Parkersburg and experience Blennerhassett Island and Blennerhassett Mansion. It was a a piece of uh, land in the middle of the Ohio River that George Washington first got from the king when he was surveying. Later, there was this beautiful mansion built on it. And as we were on the ferry boat going over to the island, I knew I had to be in Chinston by 5.30. The ship's captain says, now at 3 o'clock, we have a pretty severe storm coming through. If you're on the island, you'll want to get under roof somewhere. And then when it blows over, we'll send the boat back and get you. So being the very intelligent person that I am, I said to my family, I said, well, we're going to leave at 2 o'clock. That 3 o'clock storm is not going to get us. The storm came at 2 o'clock. And so the boat didn't come, and uh, I had worn uh, the clothing that I was going to do the wedding in because it was a casual wedding, and uh, I felt like Gilligan's Island on a three-hour tour. And, and, And the father had, why am I telling you this? The father, I've never done this. I've never had a father do the wedding rehearsal for me. But there's not a lot to do in Shinston. And so I didn't want to spend an extra day there. And I said, Jim, you can do this. Here's the paper. Go through the words. And then when I come on Saturday, I'll do the ceremony. He said, gotcha. So I thought while I'm stuck on that island, I'm getting ready to call him and say, I can't get off the island. You have to do the actual wedding. (laughs) You have to go through the whole process. And I was ready to dial the number, honestly. And they said, here comes the ship. I said, thank you, Jesus, so much. (laughs) And and, uh, so we got on the boat and we made it. But I thought about this message today. You know, I was sure I wasn't going to be tempted till 3 o'clock. And at 2 o'clock, that storm came in. And the storms in your life will come at a time you least expect it when maybe you think you're least prepared. I mean, I had my wedding clothes on. What I wanted to be in a storm, the only thing didn't mess up was my hair. I had a bottle of hairspray on my hair, and it just withstood the storm very, very well. And I had pictures of my wife and granddaughter soaked, but they've threatened to divorce and kill me, so I'm not showing them to you today. So, but sometimes temptation's that way. Satan says, I'm going to tempt you at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, but if those are wrong thoughts... If that desire that is of the flesh that Satan can place in your heart comes up and it comes unannounced on a day before and our guard is down, then we're going to mess up. It's precisely at this point that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 becomes so crucial. And this is our verse for today. Many of you know this verse. If you do not know it, I want to challenge you to memorize it. Notice on the screen with me, if you will, and let's read it together. Ready, go no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it and that's a wonderful promise no temptation has taken you but such as is common to absolutely everyone remember that God is faithful He's not going to let you be tempted more than you're able to bear. But with every single temptation, he is going to provide a way of escape so that you cannot ever say, the devil made me do it. He'll be able to help us stand up in that situation. Now there are three truths on that verse on the back of your worship guide, and this will go very quickly. If you'll jot them down, I want this to be an encouraging time, but also want it to be a bookmarker that you'll hold on to, because you may not need this message in a church service on Sunday morning, but you may need it on Wednesday when the storm is due at three o'clock. Three things. First of all, temptation is the common experience of all Christians. Please don't let the enemy think that you're a sack of sin or that you're not worthy or anything because you experience temptations. And don't ever say that you're not tempted by something that doesn't tempt you. I've never been tempted by broccoli, but I'm really tempted by carrot cake. You say, well, I don't have the kind of temptation that you're talking about. Well, Satan seems to have something that all of us would understand that he would come after us with temptation. You say, well, I'll be glad when I'm not tempted any longer. Well, what you're literally saying is, I'll be glad when I'm dead, because as long as you're living, there's going to be that propensity, there's going to be that opportunity to be tempted. You'll be tempted as long as you live. And temptation comes in many different fashions and forms over the years, but it never goes away completely. I was reading statistically how many young people are tempted to have sex outside of marriage and i was so amazed to read the statistics in the state of florida and arizona where all the retired people are and their temptation to have sex outside of marriage and it's showing up with sexually transmitted diseases in numbers that our nation has ever heard of from old people in the united states middle age adults whatever the temptation in that area is in your life but temptation is common for christians That's why sometimes we read about Christian leaders falling. And we say how terrible that person is. Literally how human that person is. It is something that could happen to each one of us. There go I, but for the grace of God is the mindset we should all adopt. The second thing I want you to know is that God will not allow you to be put in a situation where you must give in to sin. Don't ever think that. God didn't put you there. Maybe you put yourself there. But God doesn't do that. The pressure can be enormous. I I can't understand some of the difficult things maybe that you've gone through. But trust me, God always will provide a way out sooner or later. You're to stand. That's why Paul said in Ephesians, having done all to stand, then stand. When you do everything that God calls you to do, then just stand there and take the, the winds and the storm as it comes forward. The third thing that I want you to see is that God's way out does not necessarily remove you from the temptation. The temptation may not go away, but it will always put you in a position to endure it with grace. God's strength and God's way and God's will is such that whatever temptation I have to face that you have to face, we can withstand that with strength and with God's grace. And in the midst of withstanding that temptation of another person, of another situation, your testimony could be used of God to help lead them to the Lord. They'll be able to say the way that he handled that or she handled that or the way they turned me down when I tried to make a move or when they, I made that business deal to them that was a little bit shady and they backed away from it. Their testimony was something that is impacting me as I consider spiritual things. And sometimes, have you found this to be true? You'll be tempted by the same, same things over and over again. It'll come, and it'll leave. It'll come back, and then, and then it'll leave for a while. I'm always, I hate to say encouraged, but I find solace in the fact in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted by Satan... The Bible says, after all the things that Satan did to Jesus, bow down and worship me, turn the bread, the stone into bread, all of those things. It says, then Satan departed from Jesus for a while. And if Satan was going to tempt Jesus Christ, he's going to tempt us. It's going to be something that happens. And, and Hebrews 4 reminds us that Jesus Christ is the only one without sin. But there's something that Jesus went through that we all go through, and that's Temptation. Even Jesus was tempted. You ought to jot that down somewhere. Even Jesus was tempted. We all go through that. And so it's never okay to say the devil made me do it. Like Eve in the garden, we choose to eat the forbidden fruit. I know that you remember the horror of September the 11th, 2001 in our nation where 17 or so terrorists brought down over 3,000, 3,500 lives in New York City and at the Pentagon and in Pennsylvania. It was a horrible, horrible day in our lives. When President Bush addressed the nation after that, he made a statement like, if we don't take the war to them, it's going to be coming to us. And the military adopted a phrase they began using called forward-leaning defense. And a forward-leaning defense means that you move first, that you are, uh, you're not the aggressor, but you're so prepared rather than being blindsided like they were before. I want you to know that spiritually, that's the mindset that would please the Lord. The apostle Peter would agree with, with that. Remember what he said in 1 Peter 5.8? Peter says, "'Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil.'" He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And the devil is hungry, and you are on the menu, and I am on the menu. And Satan's number one tool is not money. It is not sex. It is not uh, anything you can imagine other than the word discouragement. If Satan can discourage a Christian, he has the first step in. You see, when we fight against the devil, it's not usually one big blow. It's usually death by a thousand paper cuts, one little thing at a time, another little thing at a time. And then discouragement can set in in our lives. And he's already won if he can get you to drop your weapons and walk off the battlefield. When you get down and you stop reading your Bible, Satan is winning. When you get discouraged and you stop coming to church, Satan is winning in that situation. And that's the beginning. And sometimes you come even when you don't feel like coming because you know that's God's will. It says in Hebrews, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible tells us to study the word of God, to make it fruit and meat into our lives. And Satan's not going to ever give you a break. He never fights fair. And if he can get you discouraged about your marriage, if he can get you discouraged about your finances, if he can get you discouraged about your children, your vocation, whatever it is, he will take that. And the only way you can win in that battle is to do what the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Tell him that he's a liar. Tell him to go to hell. Tell him to leave you alone. And then claim the promises of God. And the problem is this. He's a diabolical angel of light. He doesn't come in that little red outfit. He comes in so many alluring ways to us, a thousand disguises tempting you to disobey the Lord. And here's the amazing thing about Satan. He's smarter than you are. And he knows your weak points, and he knows my weak points better than you do. <coughs> and because he's invisible, here's the thing, he can attack us day or night, Anytime time we have to have our guard on. So you say, Frank, how do we fight back? Well, in preparing for this message, I came across this little five-step guideline by a preacher by the name of Ray Pritchard, who I like very, very much. And Ray, using military terms, listed five ways that we should be prepared to do business with Satan when he comes at us. I put them on the back of your worship guide. If you jot in the blank on each one, I think it'll be of great help to you in the days ahead. First of all, he says, adopt a warfare mentality. You know, that's hard to do as Christians today because we live in a world of kumbaya, we live in a world of sweetness and, and, and prettiness and floweriness, and, and we just want to be kind and gentle and everything, you know. And when I say develop a warfare mentality, you can't do that in a pink dress while you're going down the road thinking about something. You're putting on the armor of God. You're, you're preparing yourself to be what God wants you to be. And the Bible says in Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God. And a great study for you this week would be to go through Ephesians 6. Look at that helmet of salvation. Look at that breastplate. Look at this sword of of the Lord that gives us the strength that we need. And to adopt the mentality of warfare, here's the number one thing that you would adopt. And that is we're always at war. There's never a day off. There's never a moment that you can let your guard down. Because Satan is looking for that one place that he can jump in at us. The second thing it is that we remember is that there's war raging all around us as as we adopt this warfare mentality, and that we ourselves are frontline soldiers. Did you know that Jesus has no desk jobs for second-line people? Jesus expects every Christian to be a frontline warrior, that we're to put on the armor for ourselves, that we're to stand guard for ourselves, and we're frontline soldiers, in the old days in the revolutionary war you know what they said don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes well that's not true in spiritual warfare if you wait till you see the whites of the eyes they've already knocked you on your backside you're down satan is one that we have to be prepared for he's he's an invisible foe and we rarely see him until the attack comes in colossians 4 2 it says this devote yourselves to prayer This word devote doesn't mean happenstance. When you devote yourself to something, you're committed to it. Stay alert in prayer with thanksgiving for what God's done. I mean, you just think, if you will, of a sentry, a soldier standing guard at night uh, in in the battlefield. He stays awake because his his comrades are sleeping, they're resting, and he's staying awake, and his buddies' lives depend on it. And too often, instead of being a security guard like that, standing up, standing guard for the night, we're like Paul Bart, the mall cop, if you've ever seen the movie. You know, we're a little bit overweight. We've got a donut in our hands. We're working about every 15 minutes, but we're flirting and talking to everyone in the mall as we're going along. But they put us in charge of it, and we kind of mess up. Ephesians 6.13 says, we're to stand our ground. Now that, that speaks of hand-to-hand combat if, if we're going to stand our ground. And, and no one said that being a Christian is easy. And any, uh, any representations contrary to that of saying that the Christian life is an easy life, it's a wonderful life, it's a blessed life, it's the best life this side of eternity. Is there an amen in the house? Yeah. But my friend, it is a militant life for you if you're going to overcome temptation if you're not going to become a casualty or a statistic in your life, and I even thought of sharing a list of very famous people who even later in life who had great track records for the Lord got off track and lost their testimony and lost their spiritual credentials in a process of just having the guard off for a period of time. You're in the army now, and we signed up for that frontline duty serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're all in this together as soldiers of Jesus. I don't mean in a mean way, but in a strong way. And there's good news and bad news. The bad news is no one gets a break from the battle. It is 24-7. We're under attack. And that's because Satan doesn't sleep. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. But the good news is this. God has provided everything that we need that's necessary that we can fight and win every single battle that Satan puts toward us. you believe that? Say amen. God's given us everything that we need. Don't feel like that you're defeated or you're being defeated. God gives us the, 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 the tools necessary. And part of those tools is, first of all, develop a military mindset. The second thing, and this is very important, it's where it gets personal, is to confess Christ openly. When you let everyone in your perimeter know that you're a child of God, the testimony goes out clear. There's no mistake that that, that anyone would know that you're not a Christ follower. In other words, if you're going to be a Christian, be one. Don't just be one on Sunday morning, but be one. And you've got to make up your mind because A person who tries to have it both ways will always end up being destroyed. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Uh, Compromise always leads to destruction in the spiritual realm. The moment you begin to compromise, you lose the stability and the joy of your testimony. I know that from experience. Here's a great verse that I want to share with you. In Matthew 10, Jesus was speaking. He said, Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. You know, in many churches years ago, either in confirmation or baptism class or whatever, in the church that I grew up in, baptismal candidates, some of you are old enough and maybe you remember this, we were asked the question, do you renounce the devil and all of his works? And that was used as a regular format before we were baptized. And it's probably a good thing that we should ask ourselves on a daily basis. Do you renounce the devil and all of his works? Well, we often wonder how we would respond if we were ever put in that situation, if our faith was put to the test. Would we have the courage of our convictions? Would we be able to handle it? Or, or would we give in to save our life? For our brothers and sisters that live in places like China, I think if the, if the veil is ever poured back on the persecution that's really taking place in China, it would startle every one of us. What's happening in India? What's happening in parts of the Middle East? That question is not theoretical what they're going to do when they're under pressure. I read of four young teenagers in, a, in an Islamic community where they were put uh, out in the town square and they were told they had to recant Jesus Christ and say a sentence. And if they said that sentence, it was analogous to saying, I believe in Islam. I accept Muhammad as my follower. And the story, the report said that the four boys said, We cannot do that. We follow Yeshua, we follow Jesus Christ, He is our Savior. And they said, if you do not do this, we will kill you. He said, even if you kill me, I will not renounce Jesus Christ. Fourteen-year-old boys, four of them, and they took swords and chopped their heads off right there. It's a horrible thing to say. That doesn't happen in our country yet. But I wonder if we would have the courage of our convictions. I wonder under pressure, would we... Stand for Jesus or flee. And I don't know that we would stand because we deal with much less, and many of us flee in the face of needing to stand up for Jesus Christ. We may face it. Confess Jesus Christ. The best way to be prepared to confess Jesus then is to confess Jesus Christ now. Every time you can mention the name of Jesus, any time you can lift up our Lord Jesus Christ, do it today. So confess him as Lord The third thing, believe it or not, the Bible says it will help you resist the devil, is to sing. May I tell you one of the best compliments I've ever had in my life? About six months ago, I was visiting a family out in another county that listens to us by way of radio. And the lady said, said, Pastor Frank, the thing we love most about listening to you on the radio is every once in a while you'll break out in an old hymn right in the middle of your sermon. And we love to hear you sing. I said, and who's your hearing aid doctor? (laughs) You know, the people in the church are squealing out of pain. And you like that. But there's something about singing. There's something about having a song in your heart. And I will tell you this. The devil hates it when we sing God's music. The devil hates it because of the joy that's there that lifts up our heart and restores our faith. And and when God's people sing, we are invading Satan's territory. This morning when you were singing about the good things of God, the power of God in our lives, the caring effect of God as we go through things, and as the congregation worships, have you ever noticed this when you come to church? Maybe you come in a little discouraged, a little disgruntled, something has happened, a little dismayed, and we begin to sing... And your spirit on the inside begins to lift. Has that ever happened to you? And you just sing your way right out of your sorrows. You sing your way through the process as you're in the house of God. Your mind clears up. You know what? I've done this myself. Lord, that problem that I have to deal with on Tuesday doesn't matter. This is the day the Lord has made. We're gathered together with God's people. I want to focus on Jesus. There are no windows. We're not looking at the world. We're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. Our doubts can begin to depart. Lord, forgive me for doubting you. You've never failed me. You'll always be there to take care of me. And your faith can surge. Your heart is lifted to heaven. And when you sing real good, you take my preaching better than normal. (laughs) And so I encourage you to sing to the Lord. Sing in the shower. Sing in your car. Sing as you're going down the road. You say, is it biblical? Notice what the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 19. It says, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And as we do that, we're singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. So whatever your favorite kind of music is pop in another cd turn on another eight track if you're still using those get you a cassette tape whatever it takes a thumb drive but lift your voice if you don't have any of that sing acapulco i don't care however you want to do it you lift up the glory in the name of the lord jesus christ and sing to the lord and through our singing here's what happens we honor god but you know what else it does it strengthens all of us together when we sing together, if I, if I would just come to you and say, Mike, stand up and sing a, a verse. <laughs> exactly. You would punch me out because you wouldn't want to do that. But if we sing together, I've seen your mouth go up and down because collectively we're all making a joyful noise to the Lord. It works. And I want to encourage you guys, when you sing, it not only honors God and strengthens those around you, if you're parents and you have your children with you, let them hear you sing. Let them hear you lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Wherever you're at, walking or, uh, as I said, riding a bike in the shower, you sing. Go ahead. It drives the devil nuts for you to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And so just lift those things up to the Lord. Sing out and make the devil mad. The next thing I would encourage you that's so very important is that you would not only sing the praises of God and confess Jesus publicly, But memorize God's word. There's something about memorizing it. Do any of you forget the things that you read? You read it in a few minutes later. You say, now what was that I read? Well, there's something about memorizing the word of God. I'm not talking about huge chapters, though. Some people have the gift to be able to do that. But notice what it says in Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What? The Bible says that if I memorize, if I hide God's word in my heart, it gives me strength not to sin against the Lord. God, give me another helping of memorization. God, let me share another verse, another time. That's why, young people, I would say to you, while your minds are fresh and alert and not full of political poison yet, you start memorizing the word of God. You take verses, and you can look them up in the front of your Bible, the back of your Bible. There'll be promises of God dealing with any topic you can imagine, and you claim them and put them in your heart. Jesus prayed this in John 17. He said, make them holy, Lord, by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. So the word of God not only tells us how to live, it gives us the power to do it. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the Word of God. And it all begins by memorizing Scripture to help us make the right choices. In fact, in Psalm 119, the Bible says, The entrance of your words gives lights to my heart. So memorizing Scripture can literally change your life. And then the fifth thing that the Word of God would encourage us to do is to march in tight formation when we're living for the Lord and we're walking together, is that we as a church would learn to walk together as brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll you'll never be able to defeat the devil always on your own. When you're alone and on an island spiritually, the devil can just attack you. You don't know when the boat's going to come in. You don't know when the help is going to show up. That's why the New Testament has so many one and other commands. You know, the Bible says that we're to love one another that we're to pray for one another, that we're to serve one another, that we're to build up one another, that we're to confess our sins to one another, that we're to encourage one another. And the devil loves to attack Christians who get separated from their brothers and sisters. That's why if when you're alone, when you're not fellowshipping, when you're not in a small group, when you do not have an accountability partner, it's so much easier for Satan to come in and trip you up and mess you up. If he can get you alone, then you're a prime target for his attacks. I read about a Marine sergeant that had a mantra that he taught his men and women, his troops, when they were in Iraq, when they were having that fierce battle in Fallujah. And he would just over and over on a daily basis tell them when they were going out to do patrol, he would say, Always remember, two is one, one is none. And if you're by yourself, you're done. Two is one. One is none. And if you're by yourself, you're done. Guys, when we go into battle, we can't wander off. We can't just be on our own and start to think, well, my mind's telling me this. You'll get in trouble. But two is one if you stick together. And one is none if you don't. And that's excellent advice for the spiritual battles that we face. Remember, if Satan can discourage you, that's his number one tool is discouragement. If Satan can discourage you, he's already winning the battle with temptation. And sooner or later, you're going to be in big trouble. We need each other more and more, uh, more so than we can possibly know. And, And if we're alone when temptation hits, we feel like giving up. There's something, I've been in men's Bible studies where one man will say, you know, will you pray for me in this area? I'm really struggling right here. And there's something about that accountability and that affirmation that we can pray for each other. And if we know that there are people who are cheering us and helping us, we can find strength to keep going even in the worst times. So let me remind you of a few things. We need to pray for one another. We need to do that. If you don't have a prayer list, come up with a way that can make prayer interesting. I can't tell you how to pray. My ADD is so bad sometimes, I do different things. I I went through a series not long ago where I had photographs of people that are very dear to me, and I prayed by pictures, and I looked at them. And and, and recently I've been doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and and I'm just praying those letters of the alphabet because I don't know the rest of the letters yet. But I get to G, and... And and A B C D E F G. I have A is Andre, my grandson. I remember him. And and then the letter B, there's someone whose name that I have right there that's very special. And then C is my daughter-in-law who's facing breast cancer. My brother Charles, who's bedridden with multiple sclerosis. And I have D, and that's my precious wife Deborah. And pray for her. And, the, the letter E is that I, I pray for someone with that name. And then F is all my friends. I say, God, that takes about a minute. God, let me pray for all my friends. And, and then G, I went that far just to tell you, I pray for Genoa. Every single day I pray for you guys. I thank God for you. And some of your faces come to mind as I'm going through that. And I pray and I, I want to encourage you so very, very much in the Lord. But pray for each other. Secondly, as we pray together... You can find strength in shared sorrows and joys. When someone has had great success in an area and you're trying to have great success and you see that that brother did it, that sister did it, you can have it. But sometimes when you're going through a trauma, the loss of a loved one, a difficult uh, medical diagnosis, a financial reversal, and someone else says, I went through that. There can be such great encouragement because they've been through it and they've stayed. Here's what I want to tell you. You might want to write this down. God will never waste a hurt in your life. God will never waste a hurt in your life. Whatever you're going through, if you'll surrender that to the Lord, he will use it in a powerful way. And uh, as we pray for each other, here's what I want you to know. The Bible says that God will send his angels to help those for whom we pray and for us as Daniel portrayed in the Old Testament. We see examples in the New Testament. And also, I want you to know that our words, that we pray to God, move the heart of God. And friends in the battle are made strong again as we pray and seek the Lord, and the Holy Spirit moves in a supernatural way. The other thing I want to tell you is don't be surprised by sudden attacks. Things can be going well. You can be serving the Lord. You can be doing everything right, and you'll get an attack, and you'll say, why is that happening to me? Don't don't be discouraged by events or personal disappointments. Guys, we call it spiritual warfare for a reason. We all have our share of victories and defeats. You may not win every battle. You may even give in to temptation. I have this week as I was preparing for this message, and I'm sure God chuckled and I repented as I did. I said, Lord, was this just to help me with this message? Something in an area that I surely didn't think would, uh, I would struggle in, but let him that thinks he stands take heed, except he can fall also. And here's what I want you to know if you're a child of God. And if you are, say amen. amen. Every time you fall, remember my famous Bible verse? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. You can get knocked down, but if you're a child of God, you're going to come right back up again. You dust off your britches and you get back in the race and say, Satan, I'm a child of God. I'm going to get through this thing. I'm going to make it because God's going to help me. But remember, we call it spiritual warfare for a reason. And some days it's going to feel like you're fighting a losing battle. There will be those cloudy days in your heart, maybe that that will happen. But you can't base an entire life on what happens in a day. And sometimes it'll seem like you're facing the battle on a thousand fronts all at once. It can be in your relationship, in your home, in your family, in your business, in your personal walk with God. Everything that can happen. But remember that, that God doesn't, doesn't measure our spiritual progress by the huge battles that we have victories with or times that we fall. But he measures us by the little daily skirmishes that no one else knows about but you and the Lord. The things you're going through. And you know what God did for you yesterday. I've told you this in the past. In my file cabinet at home, I keep a list of prayers that God's answered when I've been really discouraged. Of things that I've gone through and seen how the Lord's worked. And when I get really down and the devil's really after me, I honestly open that drawer and I look at that list. And I say, God, you did it then and you will do it again. Forgive me for doubting you and I'm going to stay forward with you. Two final thoughts. Number one, we are at war with an enemy that is stronger than we are. Remember that. We're at war with an enemy far stronger than we are. He stops at nothing. He doesn't know the rule book. He lies, he cheats, he deceives. And if we defeat him today, he's going to come back tomorrow morning. In fact, he may be, will not even wait until tomorrow. Satan will come in a thousand different disguises, and most of them are hard to spot until they're on us. And all of them are deadly to our soul. Every single attack of Satan is a spiritual attack. And if we fight him in our own strength, we will lose. We will lose every single time. And if we ignore him, he's already won the battle. So number one, we're at war with an enemy far stronger than we are. But number two, we have a savior who is far stronger than our enemy. We have a Savior that's much stronger. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. He fought and won that battle 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary, where He took my sins and your sins, and He died for our sins in the past, in the present, and in the future. Amen. Give Him praise for that. And I don't think that God will ever put you in a position where you have, have to sin. But you have sinned, you do sin. And you will sin. Part of the human equation is that we are frail human beings and we need the shed blood of Jesus Christ to let us be strong. He's the undefeated champion of the world. Martin Luther put it so beautifully in his hymn, A Mighty Fortress. Listen to this word from 500 years ago. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim we tremble not for him his rage we can endure for lo his doom is sure one little word shall fell him and what's that one little word that will, word that will fell him it is the name of Jesus the word Jesus is the greatest thing that we have. And the cross proved our Lord is the victor over death, defeat, everything that could happen. And that's where our study of temptation comes to an end on a very victorious note today. That you can overcome temptation. Guilt, Jesus died for temptation is something we can be equipped for and resist and the big promise is when you feel like giving in to anger or lust or greed or any of a thousand sins remember this you have a way out take that way out and you never have to look back are you under attack from the enemy this morning never give up do you feel like quitting never give up are you fighting for your marriage don't you dare give up Are you trying to be strong in the face of temptation? Never give up. Are you discouraged about your children? Never give up. Do you face a barrage of criticism for doing right? Never give up. Are you tired of the daily struggle? Never give up. Are you tempted to quit? Have you already fallen? Pick up your armor and get back in the battle because so great is our Lord that He will give us strength if we'll stand and fight. The Lord is on our side. Amen. Give him praise. And so here's the easy part. The easy part is for you to commit today, Lord, I'm going to live for you. I want to be aware that I'm a a soldier on the front line with you. The hard part is to live it when we leave this building today. I always say it's not how high you jump when you're in the church service, but it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground and leave the building. I want you to be able to leave here knowing the goodness of God and the strength of God. And we're going to sing a worship song together as we talk about singing for strength. And I want you to stand with me, if you would, please, as we prepare to sing this wonderful song, that God would prepare our hearts to help us be the people that he wants us to be. And if you're here today or you're watching by way of live stream or listening on the radio across the state of Ohio, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior... The great news is is that you can break the bonds of the world, you can break the bond of Satan in your life by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. In a moment of time, everything, every sin that you've ever committed is forgiven and under the blood of Jesus Christ. Every hope that you would want to have for the future and eternity is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that we will be saved. Would you confess Jesus Christ today? Would you accept him in your heart?